0: So the question this morning, if we all had to walk in with a name tag on and really define who we really were, what would be written on your name tag? And so we're going to talk a little bit this morning about what's in a name, and we're going to look at Genesis chapter 32, verse 22 through 31. We're going to tell, uh, walk, sort of walk through the story of Jacob. He's one of my favorite uh, biblical characters And uh, so we want to look at Genesis 32, 22 through 31. It says, the same night he, Jacob, arose and took his two wives, his two female servants, and his 11 children and crossed the ford of Jabbok. He took them and sent them across the stream and everything else that he had. And Jacob was left alone. A man wrestled with him until the breaking of the day. And when the man saw that he did not prevail against Jacob, he touched his hip socket and Jacob's hip was put out of joint. And he wrestled with him. Then he said, let me go for the day has broken. But Jacob said, I will not let you go unless you bless me. And he said to him, what is your name? And he said, my name is Jacob. Then he said, you shall no longer go or be called by the name Jacob, but I will call you Israel, for you have striven with God and with men and have prevailed. Then Jacob asked him, please tell me your name. But he said, why is it that you ask my name? And there he blessed him. So Jacob called the name of the place uh, Peniel, saying, for I have seen God face to face, and yet my life is. Has been delivered. The sun rose upon him as he passed Peniel, limping because of his hip. I love this passage of scripture. I I really love the portion where it says that Jacob sent his, his wives and his kids and all that he owned uh, to where he was left alone, and all of a sudden, a man started wrestling with Jacob. Now, listen, one of the reasons I, I really love that passage is because it reminds me of me and my dad, okay? I'm just going to be honest. Uh, you know, my dad, we, I mean, I grew up, and he would wrestle with me, you know, in the floor. Um, and, and, you know, my dad had, had and still has. My dad's going to be 75 in November, but he still has old man strength. You know what I'm talking I mean, like, you know, he doesn't look like he's super strong. He doesn't lift weights or anything, but he's strong, okay? And so he would wrestle with me uh, in, in the floor, usually on a Saturday morning when we were watching uh, wrestling ourselves. Now, I'm kind of ashamed to admit it, but listen, I'm old enough to remember watching wrestling on Saturday with Gordon Soli. Anybody know Gordon Soley? I'm Gordon Soley, going to be there in the Omni. Be there. In fact, that's why every announcement I do, I say be there. It's an honor. I'm just kidding. It's not really an honor of Gordon Soley. But anyway, I would watch wrestling with my dad, and we would be wrestling and, and just, you know, having a great time. And listen, my name's Jason Rhodes, and so my favorite wrestler is who? Yeah, Dusty Rhodes, the American dream. You know, I mean, that's my favorite wrestler, and so dad, I would be Dusty Rhodes, and, and then my dad would just be Bill Rhodes, you know, and we would wrestle, and, and, and you know, all the time he would let me get to the point where, you know, I've got him down on the mat or the living room floor, you know, I've got him down there, and I've, I'm pinned him, right, and then out of nowhere, my mom comes in, slides in, one, two, it was an incredible picture. My Four foot 11 mom referee slot. One, two, and then what does my dad do? He kicks out, you know. And then he does the, you know, he struts around, you know, like Ric Flair. Woo, all right. And so then we get back and we're wrestling again. And I realized this, that I could manhandle my dad until he decided, nope, game's over. And he would, old man strength, pin to the floor, you know, dad, you win. Now, listen, my dad even had world-famous moves that he would uh, uh, put upon myself and any nephews that he had. And it was called the famous Rhodes toehold. And so my dad would grab my leg and grab my toes and, and, I mean, we're in the living room, so I'm not wearing wrestling boots, okay? Grab my toes and he squeezed my toes. And then he'd say, the famous Rhodes toehold. And bam, he would hit the tops of my squeezed toes, and he would always say, Akumba. I still don't know what Akumba meant, but I admit, I know that when I hear it, my toes hurt, all right? So my dad's going to be here next week. So listen, I invite every one of you. Go up to him and say, Show me the famous road's toehold. Okay, so but listen, this passage reminds me of that time of those times wrestling with my dad because I could do whatever I wanted, wrestle for as long as I wanted. But when when it was time for it to be over, poof, my dad made it be over. Right, and and it's really uh, if, if if you look at this passage, it, it it's kind of like that because see, most Bible theologians believe this that that Jacob sent his whole family and everything he owned across the stream, and he was there alone because he had been been running from his father-in-law, Laban. He had been running from him, and then he was going to meet his brother, Esau, who he had not seen in 20 years. And so he was uh, just you know, wondering, man, how have I ended up like this? My father-in-law hates me. I, you know, I, I you know, tricked him in some various ways. I'm going to meet my brother. Oh, my goodness, he wants to kill me. And then someone grabs him. Most Bible theologians believe that it was a Christophany, which means it was literally Jesus incarnate that had come down. Jesus, before the, the, the New Testament, had come down and began to wrestle with Jacob and and if you read this and and looking at the, the scripture it may seem like hey man, Jacob was holding his own against God right? But I don't really think that's the case. Uh, uh, you know, I, I think that, you know, it's not like Jacob was wrestling and, the, and, and Jesus was like, oh, oh, good move. Didn't see that. You know what I'm saying? No, it, it wasn't that. I really think it was a case of like my father. You know, he's, he's letting Jacob wrestle and toil and fight and seemingly uh, win, if you will. And they wrestled and wrestled and wrestled until daybreak until finally the man, with a capital M, right? The Man or Jesus or, uh, or his creator said, okay, let me go now. It's over. We've been wrestling a long time. Now the sun's coming up. And Jacob says, I will not let go until you bless me. No, I'm not going to let go. And so what did Jesus, the man, God do? Match over, right? Said so he just poked his hip, and knocked his hip out of socket. And so, listen, God was, he wasn't displaying old man strength. He was displaying, like, creator strength. Boom, it's over, all right? And Jacob said, no, I, I don't want you to leave until you bless me. And then God asked him this. The man asked him this. He said, what is your name? What?" is your name now I don't know about you but if the creator of the universe had wrestled with me all night long and then wrenched my hip to the point where I had to walk with a limp you know and then he said what is your name listen the truth be told that is what Jacob has really been wrestling with the entire time he sat there alone without his family or without his possessions he was wrestling with who He was. He was wrestling with what his name was and who he had become. And so the Lord was basically saying, you want a blessing from me? Listen, tell me who you are. Tell me how your life has turned out. Tell me if you had to write your name and stick it on your heart, what would that name be? If we look in Genesis chapter 25 and 26, we go to the very beginning of Jacob's story. And it says this, Jacob was a twin with his brother Esau. After his brother Esau came out, Jacob came out with his hand holding Esau's heel. So his name was called Jacob. His name was called Jacob. So the name comes either from the Hebrew root, meaning to follow behind or to supplant or to circumvent or to assail or to overreach. Okay, let's talk about this. So here comes uh, Jacob, born second, okay? And so his twin brother Esau comes out of the womb, and as he's coming out, they're like, Oh there's a hand on the heel. He I mean Jacob even as an infant it was striving to be first over Esau. Now, I don't have any brothers, but I have a sister who who who's pretty you know tough act to follow. She's ve- she's very smart, she's successful, she has an incredible singing voice. I mean just I mean she's very a uh, hard act to follow. So if my if my parents would have named me, oh, Rhonda was great, here comes Rhonda, she's wonderful. You know, three years later, here's Jason, we're just gonna call him the, the follow-behind guy. He, he came behind Rhonda. He's second place, he's uh, leftovers, he's whatever, you know, and, and so you can imagine Jacob growing up, and from the very time from the very uh, moment of his birth, he's trying to circumvent uh, really his his birthplace. He wanted to be first, so I kept looking at different names and words that that the name Jacob meant. I'm going to go through a few. Now listen to this. Replace, his name meant to displace, to take the place of, to undermine, to override, to oust, to usurp, to overthrow, to remove, to topple, to unseat, to depose, to dethrone. This is my favorite. To eject. It was his desire to eject. Esau out of first place and into second place. Let's continue to circumvent, to evade, to outwit, to maneuver, to manipulate, to deceive, uh-oh, to cheat, to dupe, to defraud, to swindle. Another favorite, bamboozle. Listen, can you imagine? Hey, what's your name? Oh, my name's Jacob, but you can call me Bam. Bam. Short for bamboozle. I mean, that's crazy. His name meant to bamboozle. His name meant to trick, to victimize, or to con. Now think about this. Think about now what we just read. Jacob is all alone wrestling with the creator of the universe, and then he says, before I bless you, tell me your name. Oh. I I think I'd be ashamed of that name. I'd be ashamed of who I, I was uh, in that moment. But we see in Genesis chapter 25, verse 29 through 34. So now we have Jacob before we start reading. His whole life, he's second place. He knows First of all, Esau is his father's favorite. Esau is going to get the birthright. Esau is going to become the patriarch, the ruler of the family. And Jacob will always be second place. So Genesis 25, 29 through 34 says this. Once, when Jacob was cooking stew, Esau came in from the field and he was exhausted. And Esau said to Jacob, let me eat some of that red stew, for I am exhausted. Jacob said, Sell me your birthright now. <laughs> Can you imagine? Hey, hey, buddy, brother, friend, pal, twin brother. I've been out working, hunting. I'm really hungry. Give me some stew. Yeah, coming right up. Here you go. Give me your birthright. <laughs> I mean, that's crazy. So he says, give me your birthright now. And Esau said, I'm about to die. Of what use is a birthright to me? So he, uh, uh, so he swore to him and sold his birthright to Jacob. Then Jacob gave Esau bread and little stew, and he ate and drank and rose and went away. And then Esau despised his birthright. Now, again, let's think about this. Jacob, Mr. Out, Outwit, Mr. Manipulate, Mr. Con, Mr. Deceive, he's beginning to lift, uh, live up to that name. J- uh, Esau comes home, he's hungry, and he, and he sees the opening for him to be able to jump in and, 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 and circumvent, you know, what, history should it, what the history should have been and the future should have been. So he steps in, he says, I'm hungry, give me something to eat, and, and Jacob says, no problem, give me your birthright. And then Esau turns in, listen, if, that's not a, if Esau is not a picture of the American culture, and in a lot of times even the American church, Esau says this, I'm about to die, what good is a birthright to me? Sure, take my birthright. Take everything that I will become. I need that bowl of stew. Listen, he understood this, or or he lived this way. He said, it doesn't matter what I have to give up, what I have to sacrifice to get what I want. Oftentimes, we live in a life of remorse and regret. Why? Because we're not willing to say, you know what? I want that, but I don't need that. I want to do this, but I don't need to do that. Listen, there are men all across this country that have have done things that they regret, that have destroyed their homes, destroyed their families, destroyed their workplaces. Why? Because they wanted what they wanted when they wanted it, and they did not take account for what it would cost them. And so so Esau despised his birthright. Yes, I would too. He sold it for a bowl of soup. So Jacob, being Jacob, doing Jacob things, now has the birthright of Esau. And we go to chapter 27 of the book of Genesis, and we find the father of uh, Esau and Jacob. We find Isaac. He is old at this point. He is blind. He's at the end of his life. And he tells the oldest son, Esau, hey, I need you to go hunting and prepare a meal for me so that I can enjoy it. Basically, he's saying this is probably going to be my last meal, son. So you go out. You, uh, you know, bring in a kill, prepare the dinner, and then I'm going to bless you. And so Esau goes out to do exactly what his dad asked him to do. While Jacob's mom, Rebecca, hears everything going on and she runs to Jacob and she says, quick, go, go, go get me two, uh, uh, two goats and I'm going to kill the goats. I'm going to prepare a meal and, and we're going to take it into your father. He's going to thank your Esau and he's going to bless you. And he says, but Esau's a very hairy guy, and, and, and so go. Uh, we'll take the goat skin, and we'll put it on your arms, and we'll put it on your neck, and that way when he touches you, he's going to think that that's Esau. He's going to bless you, and bam, everything we've ever dreamed of is going to happen. You will have the birthright, and you will have the blessing of the father. So we find in Genesis 27, verse 18 through 27, says this, So he went to his father and said, my father, here, uh, here I am. Who are you, my son? And Jacob said to his father, I am Esau, your firstborn. I have done as you have told me. Now sit up and eat of my game, that your soul may bless me. But Isaac said to his son, How is it that you have found it so quickly? Or how have you been so successful hunting so quickly? He said, He answered, because the Lord your God granted me success. Then Isaac said to Jacob, please come near to me that I may feel you, that you are my son, to know whether you are really my son Esau or not. So Jacob went near uh, to Isaac, his father, who felt him and said, you have the voice of Jacob, but the hands are the hands of Esau. And he did not recognize him because his hands were hairy like his brother Esau's hands. So he blessed him. He said, Are you really my son Esau? He answered, I am. Then he said, Bring it near to me that I may eat of my son's game and bless you. So he brought it near to him and he ate and he brought him wine and he drank. Then his father Isaac said to him, Come near to me, my son, and kiss me. So he came near and kissed him, and Isaac smelled the smell of his garments and blessed him. So now we see Jacob had ultimately completed uh, his objective from the time he was the ankle grabber in the womb of his mom. We find him, he's outwitted Esau. He's found a way to deceive his father and we look at Genesis 27, 41, and it says, now, e, now Esau hated Jacob. Well, I, I guess so, right? Now Esau hated Jacob because of the blessing with which his father had blessed him. And Esau said to, him, to himself, the days of mourning for my father are approaching. Then I will kill my brother Jacob. So Jacob Once again, his mom hears what's going on. His mom tells Jacob, you've got to get out of town. I'm going to uh, send you uh, to Laban. So Jacob went to live with Laban. Ultimately, he it's a long story. He ultimately married both of Laban's daughters. But in the midst of all of that, he tricked Laban out of the best of the flock. And he, you know, did some other uh, unscrup- unscrupulous things. Remind me to never try to say unscrupulous again in a message. Let's mark that word off. But he did some things that, to trick and deceive his father-in-law. So his father-in-law had pursued him and ultimately caught up with Jacob and the entire family. As the story goes, as the scripture goes, he, he met with Jacob and he says, okay, listen, I I wanted to kill you. I'm angry. I'm upset with you. You've tricked me. He said, but we're going to be fine as long as you never come back to my house again. So Laban kissed both of his daughters and all of his grandchildren and said, I'll see you. So think about Jacob. He had just been pursued by his father-in-law, and he's going to meet his brother Esau. Again, he hasn't seen him in 20 years. And the last time he saw him, Esau wanted to kill him. So think about what Jacob was going through, what he might have been thinking when he sent his wives across the stream, when he sent his children and his servants, when he sent everything, all of his possessions across the stream. And he was sitting there alone. And he was thinking, listen, does Esau, is he going to just come right up to me and kill me? Or is he going to come give me a hug and act like we're okay and then kill me, you know? So as he was sitting there thinking about what the next day was going to hold, the man with the capital M, God, Jesus, took a hold of Jacob and he began to wrestle with him. He began to so, you know fight and toil and toss and turn, and, and again, it really wasn't for God's sake. Ultimately, it was for Jacob's sake. Why? Because God ultimately looked at him face to face and says, "I want you to tell me what your name is. I want, me, I want you to tell me who you really are." And he says, "My name is Jacob. I'm a liar." I'm a con man, I'm a cheater, I've swindled my brother, I've deceived my father, I tricked my father-in-law, that's who I am, I'm a liar, I'm a deceiver, my question this morning is if we had to put the name tag on, what would it be, what would it be what is your name? Who are you? When you look yourself in the mirror and no one else is around, who is it that you see? For Jacob, he saw his life that was full of manipulation, his life that was full of deceiving, his life that was, he was going to do anything and everything he could do to get what he wanted until he found himself wrestling with God himself. And he says, my name is Jacob. I'm a liar. I'm a con man. But in Genesis chapter 32, verse 28, this is what God responded to him. Then he said, your name shall no longer be Jacob, but I will call you Israel. For you have striven or struggled with God. And you have struggled with men, and yet you have prevailed. You'll no longer be called Jacob because you've struggled with God and you've struggled with men. I've changed your name to Israel. I've changed your name to Overcomer. I've changed your name to whatever the world calls you today, whatever they think about you today, whatever your your sin is, whatever your fault is, whatever your failure is. You might be a liar. You may be a gossip. You may be full of lust. You may be faithful, faithless. You may be in a an adulterer, whatever your sin is, God is saying, I will never call you that again. Why? Because I will call you an overcomer if you just tell me who you are. This morning, my my question is not asking you who you are so that we can relive our faults and failures and ultimately feel miserable about ourselves i'm not asking that question so that 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 you can feel belittled in any way but i'll tell you this morning why i asked the question we see we find 400 or so a little more than 400 years later we find moses in the book of exodus chapter three he's keeping the flock of his father jethro And while he's keeping the flock, he sees a bush that is burning, and yet it's not being consumed. So as Moses sees the bush that's burning but not being consumed, he hears a voice, he hears the voice of the Lord, and he says this, Moses, I am calling you that you might be the deliverer of my people, the Israelites, from captivity. So we see Moses 400 or so years after Jacob wrestled with God. And he says, Moses, I am calling you to be the deliverer. Exodus three thirteen through 15 says this. Then Moses said to God, if I come to the people of Israel and say to them, the God of your fathers have sent me to you And they asked me, what is his name? What shall I say? God said to Moses, tell them, I am who I am, has sent me to you. And he said, say this to the people of Israel, I am has sent me to you. God also said to Moses, say this to the people of Israel, the Lord The God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob has sent me to you. So I want you to know what was happening in that moment. Moses is looking at this burning bush and hearing the voice of God. And he said, who shall I say has sent me to deliver your people? And he said, you tell him this, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of the lying con man deceiving Jacob has sent me to you. See, today I ask you what your name is and maybe who you look at yourself as being, not so that we can feel belittled, not so that we can be cast down, so that I can let you know today that the creator of the universe says, I am the God of Abraham, I am the God of Isaac, and I am your God. Whatever your name is this morning, whoever you are, he says, I am your God, and I have changed your name this morning. I will no longer call you liar, manipulator. I will no longer call you deceiver. I will no longer call you a drug addict. I will no longer call you what anybody else and everybody else will call you, but I will call you what you are an overcomer. Why? Because you are mine. So in front of Moses, he, he equated himself and he put himself right next to Jacob. He associated himself with a lying, con, deceiving, horrible guy in a lot of ways. And yet, said, and yet God said, I'm his God. This morning, I want you to know he's telling you he's your God. He's your God. He is for you. And he is calling you today overcomer. There's three things happen when you tell the Lord who you really are. First, God will change your name. Second, he will then begin to change you. See, God called Jacob an overcomer ever long before. He changed his name long before he became an overcomer. So God will change your name, then he'll change you, and then he will always associate himself with you. This morning, no matter what you've done, how many times you've fallen, failed, and sinned, The King of Kings and Lord of Lords is saying to you that I am the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob, the God of Keith. I'm the God of Clint. I'm the God of Amanda. I'm the God of David. I'm the God of Chris whoever you are, wherever you are, what you've been through. Listen, it doesn't matter. He's saying, I am your God and I will set you free and you will and can overcome. Today with every head bowed and every eye closed and nobody moving around in this moment, just before we pray, I want to read Isaiah 43, verse 1 and 2. Again, with your heads bowed and eyes closed. In Isaiah, Isaiah speaks and he says, But now, thus says the Lord, He who created you, O Jacob, He who formed you, O Israel, fear not, for I have redeemed you. I have called you by name, and you are mine. When you pass through the waters, I will be with you. When you go through the rivers, they shall not overwhelm you. When you walk through fire, you shall not be burned. And the flame shall not consume you.